There's over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Hi, and welcome back to Net Zero Carbon. I'm Tyler Cole, your host, and this is the show at Freight Waves, where we explore all things around sustainability in freight and logistics. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of being joined by our first European consultant expert in supply chain and sustainability, Sophia Agnes Nagy. Did I get that correct? Correct. Absolutely. Nice to meet you, everyone. Nice to meet you as well. Thank you for joining us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're calling in from today and uh, how you got into the role that you have now? Oh, where I'm calling from, uh, it's a Turi area, uh, Switzerland, so deep down in the middle of Europe, nice and uh, snowy and sunny today. Uh, not that uh, we don't have that in the middle of winter very often, but uh, today is very happy and sunny. Um, how I got into where I am is um, I've been through, you know, the last 20 years, uh, different um, industry roles, um, starting from the bottom up, um, really working my way through from being in the warehouse, right? Counting uh, SKU, so literally from that and um, consciously going through uh, the different areas of the business, most of the supply chain um, roles um, to build, you know, not just uh, uh, the knowledge, the functional knowledge, but also the expertise and the experience where, where you handle different difficult situations like everybody else, you know, deep down in the thick of of the industries and um, went through a couple of different industries also to make sure that my knowledge is transferable between the industries. And then I rounded it up uh, with uh, with an angle of consulting to ensure that my strategic skills and, and views are up to scratch, you know. So so I built it quite consciously throughout my career. Um, I'm from Eastern Europe originally, uh, Budapest, Hungary, which is a beautiful place. I can recommend uh, everyone to visit. Uh, but at the same time, it's also nice to to get to know, you know, other countries and work from different angles. So I moved to Western Europe, uh, to London, and uh, then I ended up uh, by way of uh, invitation for a role to work in Switzerland. And then basically after these 20 years, I just wanted to um, work not just on my own, but also uh, work in a way that gives me flexibility and the best exposure to help companies to become sustainable within their supply chain. And how this came into my life was very early in my teens. Um, so I come from an area where uh, people are quite sustainable as they live. They are quite frugal, uh, partially because of the history of the country and then how we or how much resources we had uh, in the families. Um, and that, um, you know, history and heritage I wanted to bring on and um, and kind of um, uh, extend into my profession, you know, and uh, and so I I not just built, you know, the supply chain angle and the knowledge, but also the sustainability knowledge uh, with those 20 years. So I wanted to make sure that not just utilizing, you know, the supply chain knowledge, but I can really help companies being sustainable. And uh, right now, based on that, I run my own little consultancy together with my brother and uh, try to take on only sustainability-related supply chain projects with small to medium-sized enterprises and startups uh, majorly. So that's where we are at the moment. And uh, as everybody knows, thankfully, sustainability got a lot more focus in the last two years during the pandemic. So I'm really happy. Let's put it this way. (laughs) (laughs) 
I can imagine there's a line out the door at this point to try and get in <laughs> Maybe, get yes. your experience, right? Because um, it, it's just in short supply. As supply chain professionals, yeah. you know, we've optimized our management style for cost and service and short-term value. And we're really having a moment where that's being flipped on its head. And, and I love that you're on the show because it does seem uh, you know, your experience and your interests are tailor-made for the, this moment. And I, I love and would applaud the intentionality of your career effort. And I, I try to model similar path for myself. And I would encourage anybody who's coming up in supply chain to do similar um, role shifting and trying to yeah. sharpen skills and add skills and exposure and experience in different geographies and different sectors and different sides of the business. It's just so valuable and needed to have that cross-cultural and cross-functional lens. So I'm glad that you're on the show. I think it's important that we, we go back a, a little bit because you and I first connected online. I actually was talking to Radu over at Alcott. So got to give him yeah. a shout out. They put on some great supply chain education experiences. And <clears throat> I was picking his brain on, hey, who are the who are the influencers? Who do I need to engage with on this show? And you were one of the first names out of his mouth. So I made sure we connected on LinkedIn and we've had the pleasure to go back and forth a couple times. And now I'm finally happy you're on, on the show because there's an area that you specialize in that we haven't touched on before. And that's how do we convert uh, the squishy uh, CSR initiatives into operational KPIs around supply chain sustainability. And that's, that's an area of yours. So maybe you want to talk a little bit about that focus for you, and then we can jump into some project examples for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, quite frankly, if you and anyone really follows, you know, the, the mainstream media around sustainability or even any of the frameworks that, that get introduced at the moment, it's quite clear that the feedback from most of the people are either, you know, very skeptical because they don't see it happening. So that goes back to operationalization of, of the whole um, framework or, or whatever knowledge we have in theory or from an academic perspective. And secondly, the other side is is not just skeptical, but even quite against it because they think it's rubbish. You know, it, it's the next part that will come and go. So that's why I also try to really put the the most focus on operationalization of these uh, uh, these aspects. And I have to go back and uh, and give you a very uh, interesting nugget here from from my early years of my career because a lot of people know, you know, the Coca-Cola company um, as the biggest polluter as we speak, right? So so they are the devil at the moment or or the dark side of the uh, of the equation. But I can tell you that um, where I worked with them in the Eastern European region, one of the plants uh, that were put in place there was in an area where they had to extract water from a natural resource that was under protection. So there, basically, back then, more than 15 years ago already, we went through the whole sustainability aspect of measuring, you know, the intake and the outflow and water pollution and everything. and had to have that cross-functional and um, literally public sector, private sector, private sector collaboration already set up. So that was more than 15 years ago, right? So those were one of my early projects that we went through and and. I treasure it not because of, you know, being with a big company or or having, you know, uh, something um, very early on, but it shows, you know, that these are nothing new as we speak, right? So if the companies thought through many of these aspects of their business earlier, it would have shown them that it's not an extra cost 
or it's not, you know, something that uh, is extraordinarily hard to put in place. So imagine that it was already more than 15 years ago, as I said, and the company, even back then, was very profitable, right? So from that perspective, I can easily dispel these kind of, you know, um, either feedbacks from from people who uh, who run the show or board members or even even C level executives, or even those who who are approaching this from a consumer side. But um, just to give a little bit more recent um, operationalization side uh, examples that I, I went through, you know, with startups for small, medium-sized enterprises, um, and I would approach it from two different angles. One is really the greenfield side, where I get absolutely free hand with my clients, you know, to put something great in, which means that we design the whole value chain, the whole supply chain physically, and also from a planning side. Um, in a sustainable way up front, right? That's almost right. like an easy given thing, right? I would say, especially from a, from a practitioner point of view, that's, you know, that's your dream job. Let's put it this way. That's when you, you smile every day. And then the other side is the struggle with those companies. And I am honest with this, you know, we don't need to, to make this uh, a rosy picture. Um, it's a struggle with those companies who are in, in business, let's say 10, 20, 50 years, depending on, on how old they are, they might not be, you know, a conglomerate, but just a small, medium-sized enterprise between five to $500 million, uh, you know, a year, which is quite a broad um, uh, scope, but still, you know, the variance is huge. And, uh, and for them, many of these things are absolutely challenging. And the reason is not exactly the sustainability angle, but because of the basics of supply chain, whether we like it or not. Um, and I was very amazed, um, not in a positive way, but, but in a negative way sometimes when I meet um, some of these companies, because if you just think about some of the, the basic processes in supply chain and how much you can help the environment and those people that work in your supply chain and your collaborators, as such, you know, the three PLs uh, and uh, whoever you collaborate with your suppliers in the first place, you can do a lot without even um, proclaiming the activity, either the process improvement or the project, a sustainability project, right? So for me, that's an eye-opening aspect that not many people know about operationalizing sustainability, that uh, it starts really with small actions and thinking your value chain, the costing, as well as the revenue stream through. I know it sounds almost trivial, but believe me, not many companies can do it. They don't collect enough data. And I think uh, as we speak right now, uh, as of today, it's it's pretty hard to believe, but many, many companies did not invest in uh, in gathering enough data or installing the right integrated system which are now all available, right? So uh, I can refer back to that 8%, that famous 8% that uh, many people are quoting in uh, the supply chain profession uh, around, you know, how many companies uh, out of the total 100% globally managed to get digitalization right, right? That's 8%. That's, that's not exactly a stellar number, right? So, Lots of and then, improvement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So a huge room for improvement. So, so these are just, you know, uh, the first uh, high-level examples I wanted to share with you in terms of, of how I work with these companies and, and what kind of issues we are facing when we need to put sustainability in action. 
Um, and we haven't even touched, you know, diversity and inclusion or anything else here. It's just purely the operational side uh, where you can reach very good results very fast if you if you start uh, peeling back all the layers um, of, of what you work with. And I, and I know it it sounds again trivial, but but believe me. For many companies, it's not so trivial. With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no-empty-miles future at convoy.com sustainability. It's funny, you, you answered actually my next question. I think I was prepared to ask you, you know, what's more difficult when you approach these SMBs? Is it um, general supply chain and sustainable education or is it the resources to make change? And I think the bigger problem we're facing, you just answered it, is the fact that we're not um, pursuing the right targets. And because of that, we haven't educated our, our workforce um, on how they can start pursuing supply chain and sustainability, right? If you go through you know, the score model, kind of the typical supply chain make, use, uh, move, it's just going to be hard to reformat that. It's got to be broken down and, and retaught. And we're seeing that a lot at the graduate level, especially where we're we're starting to see more and more supply chain classes, more and more sustainability classes pop up. And, and that's good, but we need more standardization, more alignment around how people are pursuing some of these targets. So I look forward to increasing standards because that will also solve the other problem you mentioned, which is data aggregation, yep. IT systems we have today simply weren't built or designed to capture these specific data sets we need. Like we focus a lot on emissions in freight and transport, and you've got such a diverse siloed freight environment with different levels of granularity that there's not a through line that's common or easy to get to. So overcoming that complexity through integrated tech solutions is, is something we focus on a lot. Um and so it's good to hear you confirm that we're at least kind of on the right path in some of our solutions we're chasing. Um, I, uh, 100% Tyler, and I could not smile, you know, a bigger smile here because I'm so happy to see these uh, technological developments. Quite frankly, you know, if you asked me 20 years ago when I was doing manual work on every aspect of supply chain, I'm like, yeah, now... Now I'm really happy because now those people who get into supply chain, they have a very different picture from where we started from, right? So more than welcome, any of the development, really. It's funny, though. There, We still see a lot in just the freight side. There is still a heavy over-reliance oh. on email, manual, and lack of systems, spreadsheets, um, just to solve problems. And there's lots of interesting firms out there trying to, to work around that. But that brings me to the question of when someone's starting this journey, and, and they're partnering with someone like you who's an expert, you know, how do you start that strategy process for someone in supply chain to think through kind of the pillars that they want to attack? Like, where do you even begin in that conversation? Look, uh, it, it very much depends on where the company is. But in general, um, just to give you a, a very exact answer, normally I take a look at if the company is even able to produce a full value chain visibility for me. That's, that's, you know, the first indicator. If they don't even know what they are doing, if they have, you know, so sporadic uh, systems that they don't even know how, for instance, I just worked with a company last year where they had multi-stage production, right? But they couldn't put together a proper multi-stage and um, um, relevant bomb structure, right, to, to even follow what they were doing. 
So that's a clear indicator, you know, that there are bigger problems than than starting from um, building a sustainability strategy. And um, I'm always uh, very conscious, you know, that first of all, we need to do a kind of an audit. I know that most of the consultancies do it, but that's how you get to know what you need to do, because whether we like it or not, companies usually come to you with um, with either a specific ask or something that's so vague that they don't even know what to ask for. They, they just, you know, ask for help. And and that's that's fine, you know, because that's where they are. So that's why we we exist. But equally, um, that's where I see, you know, um, some of the the bigger houses. Let's put it this way, um, kind of trying to to fluff it up a bit. I, I like to use that word, fluff it up, um, because they they start with you know targeting glorious. Um, goals, you know, there are pledges, um, you name it. We've seen this during the last couple of years, especially the last two years. And then you really start digging, you know, scratching the surface. I just need to read, you know, some of these uh, ESG reports or CRM reports that they issue every year, right? And I can see very clearly that they are so far away from the pledge that they, they promised us for the next five to 10, maybe 50 years, depending on which company we are talking about. That um, that there's re- real work to to be done, right? So I would rather start from getting the picture right, taking a look at the real value chain where they are, and um, in that sense, you go through the value chain and you can easily, almost easily identify, you know, where uh, they need to change. And the key change that most of the companies need to make is the mindset change. And the mindset change is literally about not just having, you know, a mindset for sustainability, but um, I'm sure you are also um, having this, this feedback most of the time that companies normally or naturally take a look at, okay, what impacts us, right? External in. That's that's the mindset. If it impacts me, then I need to counteract. There is litigation and so on. But they don't normally look at how they impact the environment, what the impact is from a social perspective, right? It's kind of understood in the last couple of decades that a company has the rights to make whatever kind of impact they want to do, regardless of the consequences. I, I think we've seen this quite clearly, especially in the US with, uh, with the heavy offshoring and outsourcing during the last couple of decades, right? I don't say it's a negative thing. What I say about all of these actions is that it needs to be conscious and needs to be thought through from a sustainability perspective as well, so from an environmental and social point of view. And um, yeah, that's that's one of those things, you know, where the companies start cringing because it uh, it might mean that uh, they have uh, a different cost uh, position. It can mean that they have a different uh, shareholder um, payback. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Um, but we need to, you know, get to another ground of morality from business perspective, I believe, where we can see the overall picture uh, where we don't only follow the money, but we follow the long term actions uh, and where society comes back. Because I do believe that companies can make this profitable for themselves. Of course, that profit rate will not be most likely as high as we got used to during the last couple of decades. But is that really? something that should be targeted and at the same time i also don't say that it's impossible but then we need to look even further 
and what I normally say, then we need to look at frugality, right? And we need to look at frugal methodologies in terms of how we can turn waste into value. So that's where they can go back and balance out those currently negative impacts or perceived negative impacts that they they struggle with, right? So those are the things that I usually bring in, partially because of my exposure to different companies. That's why I love being independent, because I have the opportunity to get to know companies, good startups and good small companies who can help them jump, you know, those hopes or those barriers that they cannot do alone and collaborate. And, and that's how we also got uh, got into our discussion, right, Tyler, earlier, how to, to pull together certain elements of, for instance, the logistics industry, where there is a clear need for bigger collaboration, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we operate in these... Um silos where everybody's worried about whatever existential existential threat, excuse me, lives outside their four walls. <laughs> and it's like you've got two silos, right? You've got the people who approach this with some form of a materiality assessment, identifying risks to the organization and long-term value. And then you've got the other side, which is truly, you know, embedded in an ethos of what you might call stakeholder capitalism, right? That's picking up steam. And, and we live in this healthy tension where those two forces are constantly rubbing against each other. So I'm fascinated yeah. to see what the next decade unfolds for people as we move towards a lot of these net zero targets. Um, likewise, likewise, uh, we need to get there, you know, and uh, the better we are aligned, the better we get there, right? Exactly. So around alignment, that's a great segue. Maybe some of your more recent or favorite projects you've been able to work on and some of the the outputs of those that you're most proud of, you know, what are some examples that we can share with listeners? I could give you a very down to earth uh uh yeah example here a very recent um a, com- a company just asked me you know around 300 million dollars uh, site um to help them with their SNOP process because they were struggling to put it in place and guess what out of the SNOP process we just made their supply chain at least 50% more sustainable than before just by applying the correct business rules and principles, right? And thinking through the business rules that they applied to their processes earlier from a sustainability perspective. So that's what I call, you know, um, one of those projects where you start with, oh my God, is it not another SNOP process implementation, you know? And then you come away with a huge smile. And guess what? We are in touch and we work through other aspects of, of how they can make it more sustainable. So, so these are, you know, um, this is why, why I also wake up every, every day. Uh, or the other one uh, I can mention that's more of, you know, the, the Greenfield project where uh, a startup in India or based in India um, led by um, a woman, she asked me to review, you know, um, her business plan as well as the supply chain plans and, and potential uh, partners uh, from a sustainability perspective and, of course, from a supply chain point of view. And that was also one of those aspects where, of course, she's uh, early stage or pre-revenue uh, stage, but uh, but having these in place right up front, you know, from the start, it gives you just a really good feeling that whatever kind of new companies come on stage uh, for the for the business environment, they will act more responsibly and they will start off from the right foot. So, so these are the ones that, uh, that were the most recent. And of course, uh, I could give you even bigger projects that I worked on earlier where, where there was clear sustainability impact. But um, most of them earlier, before these last three years, 
I could barely sneak in the sustainability aspect. So just getting back to where you started this discussion today, Tyler, it was not exactly on top of the agenda, right? So it's still hard to get it on, on top of the agenda, but you can always sneak it in somewhere and you can always find people in the organization who will have a buy-in. So. Yeah, there's a hierarchy of needs and it's nice to see as we grow economically that we continue to uh, introduce these additional concepts of value among the broader base of stakeholders, right? And you, those, both of those examples are great because it clearly segments those two types of market participants we were talking about. Yeah. When you're going through and just busting apart a current sales and operations process map, right? Yeah. Your sustainability improvements and KPIs in that scenario don't have to be metrics around emissions or uh, equity of pay or anything like that. Those are actual typical accounting KPIs that people expect to see. And you're becoming more sustainable as an organization by designing out waste and improving profitability and being more efficient. So it's taking these concepts that have been around forever that have huge value in the supply chain and rebranding them under this new ESG type lens, things like efficiency and designing out waste and continuous improvement and things that we should be doing anyway. Um, we just need to continue educating and driving a lot of those principles home to especially small and medium-sized businesses. And then the other side that you mentioned was, you know, new startups, new minds, millennials or younger, you know, people that are, have grown up in this era of volatility and climate change, you know, are seeing a lot of the impacts of it today and are drawing these correlations and wanting to make an impact from the start, not necessarily trying to turn over an established business, which I think could be harder. So thank you for those. Those are both awesome examples. I'm very happy to hear. Yeah. And uh, quite frankly, you know, I just, I can just conquer what you said here. We really will see in the coming two to three years, a huge shift and a huge change in supply chain. Because guess what? I can see that already happening. The young ones, they will not buy into the traditional supply chain roles that we did before, right? So, yeah, it's happening already. And um, they are there, you know. They they are the ones who, who will ping me as, a, as an external saying, you know what, I want to hear more of this because this is the right thing to do. And I don't need, I don't need to lift a finger. <laughs> the old ones I need to chase, <laughs> my, my generation inclusive, right? So I'm not That's pointing a point. finger. But the young ones, they are like banging on the door, you know, every day. And okay, so how did you think about it? What are those extra variables that, that we just need to put in and we get the result? And they are there because they see, you know, as you said, I can only concur again, they see that their own future is being jeopardized by not doing anything. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy to see, you know, so people can see a much broader smile on my face, you know, going to work every day. Now. <laughs> well, I hope it continues to get bigger and bigger and we continue to see positive change happen. And you're, you're spot on. Younger generations are speaking with their employment where they want to, to make impact. And it's no longer exactly. just about short-term um, stake shareholder return. It's about long-term stakeholder value generation. And, and we're going to start to see that just explode, I agree, in the next two to three years. So thank you. This was really, really informative. I feel like we barely scratched the surface and could talk for hours more. So we'll definitely have to have you back on the show after you've got a few more projects that you can knock out and come and give us some, some info on. So thank Absolutely. you for your time. And we'll link to the show. We'll link um, your LinkedIn profile and contact info in the, in the show notes so people can reach out should they want to get in line for some sustainable consulting. 
Super. Thank you so much, Tyler, for even, you know, inviting me to the show. Uh, it's an awesome work that you're doing. Uh, and please, everyone, follow the next shows because there are further awesome people coming up. So I'm going to be tuning in every time uh, I can. So if not, I'm going to watch the reruns. So thank you so much again. And I'm happy to be here. And um, yeah, see you next time. My pleasure. Take care. Take care.